0: Chapter 6, QAnon. The concept of Q is rather straightforward if you accept the reality of a satanic conspiracy already. Q is said to be a high-ranking individual, with Q clearance, operating behind enemy lines, cryptically leaking hints about what the enemy fears most so that the public can pounce on their weak points. It is almost axiomatic that powerful institutions are governed by Satan eventually on a spiritual level, and it's not beyond belief that a good guy at a high level would try to fight against it anonymously, online. We know that servants of darkness are always seeking leverage against good men who try to challenge corruption, and men like Julian Assange and Edward Snowden have shown that one person can make a big difference if they go public but what if instead of going public, they remained in the shadows and turned the war against evil into a game? In other words, you could say that Q trains and inspires grassroots citizen journalists to work together and expose the conspiracy. The public's attention gets directed towards certain questions in order to disrupt their illusion of control. Simultaneously, It forces the good guys in high places to take action against them. As public support grows, the faith of the masses can move mountains. It's like a support network for heroes. Those patriots who dare to challenge the cabal can know that the Q movement will have their back and shine a spotlight on their situation, making it awkward for the cabal to quietly do away with them. Not a bad strategy, if it were real. There is no doubt that Q was at some point a legitimate effort by somebody with privileged information to accomplish something close to this at least. The Q-drops, cryptic information posts, containing a mixture of imaginary hopes and real investigative leads, allowing potential investigators to dig up and publicize Genuinely damaging information on corrupt public figures. Think of it as a tip line for wannabe sleuths. For now, let's consider it a coincidence that Q drops frequently contain strings of numbers that seem random to the untrained eye, but actually represent GPS coordinates and timestamps. This is what the marketing world would call an ARG or an alternate reality game. Wikipedia accurately describes an ARG as an interactive networked narrative that uses the real world as a platform. In any good ARG, there is a puppet master, a curtain, and a rabbit hole. The goals of ARGs has been varied. Some are about selling products, while others are meant for intelligence agencies, to recruit hackers or code breakers. The Q movement has its own obvious puppet master, Q, curtain, 8chan, and rabbit hole, Q drops, and the leads they provide. Here are the eight design principles given by Wikipedia in describing how an ARG works. See if it matches your understanding of the movement. Number one, storytelling as archeology. span Instead of presenting a chronologically unified, coherent narrative, designers scatter pieces of the story across the internet and other media, allowing players to reassemble it, supply connective tissue and determine what it means. Number two, platformless narrative. Stories are not bound to a single medium, but exist independently and use whatever media is available to make itself heard. Number three, designing for a hive mind. While it might be possible to follow games individually, designs are directed at a collective of players that share information and solutions almost instantly and incorporate individuals possessing almost every conceivable area of expertise. While games might initially attract a small group of participants, as the participants come across new challenges, they try to find others with the knowledge needed to overcome an obstacle. Number four, a whisper is sometimes louder than a shout. Rather than openly promoting games and trying to attract participation by pushing it towards potential players, designers attempt to pull players to the story by engaging in over-the-top secrecy, have elements of the game warn players away from them, and eschew traditional marketing channels. Designers do not communicate about the game with players or Press while it is in play. Number five, the this is not a game aesthetic. ARGs themselves do not acknowledge that they are games. They do not have an acknowledged rule set for players. As in life, they determine the rules either through trial and error or by setting their own boundaries. Narratives present a fully realized world. Any phone number or email address mentioned works, and any website acknowledged exists. Games take place in real time and are not replayable. Characters function like real people, not game pieces, respond authentically, and are controlled by real people, not by computer AI. Some events involve meetings or live phone calls between players and actors. Number six, real life as a medium. Games use players' lives as a platform. Players are not required to build a character or role-play being someone other than themselves. They might unexpectedly overcome a challenge for the community simply because of the real-life knowledge and background they possessed. Participants are constantly on the lookout for clues embedded in everyday life. Number seven, collaborative storytelling. While the puppet masters control most of the story, they incorporate player content and respond to players' actions, analysis, and speculation, by adapting the narrative and intentionally leave white space for the players to fill in. Number eight, not a hoax. While the this is not a game aesthetic might seem on the surface to be an attempt to make something indistinguishable from real life, there are both subtle and overt metacommunications in place to reveal a game's framework and most of its boundaries. Warner Brothers worked with Microsoft and a small group of fiction authors to promote a video game related to Steven Spielberg's AI Artificial Intelligence, 2001. Over 3 million people ended up participating in their ARG, which spanned 40 cryptically linked websites. Just like with Q, the most dedicated participants organized themselves officially into a group that felt proud of their shared talent of mystery solving. They went on to be dedicated enthusiasts of the genre. This was called The Beast ARG, and the team behind it went on to create the most viral and effective ARG ever publicly acknowledged, called I Love Bees. It was a promotion for another Microsoft video game property, but this one broke out of cyberspace and involved actual ringing payphones across cities with pre-recorded messages. At certain times, GPS coordinates and timestamps were used to lure participants to answer the phone calls and report their findings to each other online to create a greater narrative. Keep in mind that this was before modern social media existed, so there was no handy Twitter to share info with. Daring, unexpected, and potentially paranoia-inducing, the game was a smash success and made newspaper headlines. Now suddenly, Q drops don't seem so unique. Q directs people to investigate certain people, groups, and events using Keywords, timestamps, locations, and enigmatic phrases. Findings are reported by participants and create ripple effects. And this is meant to go viral to the point of affecting the real world. Of course, it was rocketed into mass hysteria when Donald Trump and other high level officials acknowledged it. This ARG, like any ARG that finds true success, lures in more participants and makes the rabbit hole more exciting. They want to recruit their friends and families. It doesn't take a genius to see the analogy between alternate reality games and psychological operations, or PSYOPs. The military uses PSYOPs when they want to manipulate populations to bypass physical war. In an age of hyperactive social media, failing newspapers, and lazy journalists, the military has countless options for how to plant and cultivate narratives. The Department of Defense officially created a policy for Interactive Internet Activities, IIA, in 2007, which incorporates all two-way communications. This would include email blogs, chat rooms, internet bulletin boards, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and most definitely 8chan, where Q posts his riddles. The stated nature of IIA is to shape emotions, motives, reasoning, and behaviors. That's the definition of psychological. Therefore, Since June of 2007, the Pentagon officially conducts PsyOps online using every interactive medium available. This easily encompasses alternate reality games. On page 3 of the DOD memo, in a section called Non-Attribution, it authorizes IIA to be done secretly. The military can deny involvement so long as the combatant commander deems it to be operationally important. This may have something to do with Google directly colluding with American intelligence agencies to spur the Arab Spring PSYOPs against a half a dozen Middle Eastern countries in 2010 to 2012. Julian Assange wrote about this in his book, When Google Met WikiLeaks. Other social media companies got their hands dirty at the same time, proving that they are willing and able to be used as tools for the military. We're living in the shadow of their globe-spanning PSYOP regime, with military social engineers working with software engineers to control all human thought via military-grade secret lies. But Q followers know they're being manipulated, they like it. In their subculture, they consciously place their faith in the military's sworn obligation to confront domestic threats, and they hope that veterans will honor their oath to defend their country from tyranny. First, they hope for nonviolent methods, but ultimately, with military tribunals, executions, and a liberation strike force if all else fails. They not only believe Q is connected to the military, but they hope he's a high-level decision-maker, like a general. The big difference between Q devotees and Q skeptics is that the devotees trust the plan, their phrase, whereas skeptics see it as a cynical ploy. Q devotees are high vibration, optimistic, faith-driven, intention-led, and guided by synchronicity. Skeptics see it all as a plan to hijack and pacify the very demographic most likely to endanger the evil conspiracy, creating false hope while stalling for time as the New World Order is built right in front of them. Q is therefore a symbol of hope and gullibility. It has led to real challenges to corruption, and perhaps even damaged the conspiracy in some ways. But it is also an easy target for conmen and military PSYOP experts who have mastered the craft of the ARG. Then we have the Alex Jones Connection. Alex Jones would be nothing without Dr. Steve Pachinik. Despite being an unknown figure in pop culture, Pachinik was the Deputy Assistant Director of State to Presidents Nixon, Ford, Carter, and Bush Sr. According to his website, Dr. Pachinik, along with other senior officials at the State Department, developed the mandate to create Delta Force and other quick strike special forces units that could be used in future hostage situations and international crises. He's a man who knows how to get things done with minimal surgical force. Steve Pajinik has been Alex Jones's greatest tipster and professional mentor over the years, feeding Jones explosive leads and obscure documents that allowed Jones to leapfrog his competition in the arena. Of government watchdogs. Pachinik has openly stated as much on the Alex Jones show repeatedly, a fact which Jones never tries to counter. Instead, he thankingly acknowledges his debt to Pachinik and submits to public scoldings. In their most tense interviews, Pachinik flagrantly breaks the illusion of being a neutral guest on the show and disrespects Jones by declaring that, quote, you were the vehicle through which I could implement, or the system could implement, what they needed to do. It was not through YouTube. It was not through email. You were being used for 20 years as the major way of communicating to the military and the intelligence, end quote. This is one of the most shocking accusations ever leveled at Jones, and yet he in no way rejected or denied it. He was red-faced in frustration, but could not deny the truth. Jones has functioned as the mouthpiece for Pachinik, and the fellow military PSYOP veterans. They bore a grudge against the neolib and neocon factions who engineered the 9-11 betrayal, and other subversions. In other words, Pachinik has been playing the exact same role with Jones that Q plays with the public today. Pachinik fits the profile of a puppet master like few others. He was the primary crisis manager under the Secretary of State, Henry Kissinger, who dealt with an abundance of controversies and gladly took credit for the work done by Pachinik, who was the real problem solver, creating drastic solutions to international crises and hostage situations, employing his expertise in psychology, Pachinik has been a power player on the world scene. Psychological operations were his forte. And on his website he calls himself, quote, an expert in psychological warfare, political psychology. Regime Change, Intelligence, Counterintelligence, and Covert Operations," end quote. If anyone had the motive, means, and opportunity to create Q, it is Dr. Steve Pachinik, the man who created Alex Jones. Pachinik is a man who has helped shape our world from behind the scenes, getting his hands dirty in unprecedented ways, never getting credit, always having a plan B, and willing to say or do anything it takes in order to defend the Republic. In their heated arguments, Alex Jones accused Pachinik of being able to make a person who was standing upright believe that they were actually standing on their head. The remark was fired at Pachinik in response to his claims about the inauguration of Joe Biden. He was trying to convince Jones that there was a plan to prevent Biden from taking office. Pachinik has also boasted that the group he represents manipulates both the political left and right in a Hegelian dialectic method, and that even the censorship of Jones was useful as a way to make him regain credibility, since being banned from platforms is a mark of legitimacy. Jones bristled at that. Being banned from every major platform was a devastating blow to his financial stability and future plans. Is it possible that the downfall of Jones was engineered by the creator of Q? If so, the reason would be obvious. Alex Jones had become unreliable over time. Not only had he become far too popular and egotistical to listen to his old handler reliably anymore, but his substance abuse, habits, and undisciplined behavior made him a compromised mouthpiece within a world of watchdogs and patriotic insiders. Pachenik needed to have an alternative avenue, and so Q was, if nothing else, a talent search to find the next batch of Alex Jones replacements. Instead of vesting so much effort into one volatile loudmouth, the Delta Force pioneer would crowdsource. Anyone could now connect the dots and do the work that Jones refused to. And, if executed properly, they would build a decentralized network of citizen journalists used social media like an information warrior class. It would be a focused ARG mission advertised to any willing participant. Infowars was taken to the street level. This explains the increasing hostility of Jones against the Q movement itself, and the subsequent hostility by Pachinik against Jones in their later interviews. Early on, Jones was a supporter of Q, still drunk on the victory of Trump, who personally called in to the Alex Jones show and pandered to him during the 2016 election campaign. Under a Trump presidency, Jones was positioned to become the top reporter in America, and his metrics on YouTube and Facebook were proving it. After the Las Vegas shooting massacre the Sandy Hook confusion, and the Pizzagate viral conspiracy theory, the censorship and lawsuits against Jones changed all of that. It's very possible that the White House media contacts used their channels to greenlight Jones's plunge into obscurity, whether or not Pachinik was involved in the discussion. Jones had served his function for 20 years, but was now a parody of himself who had lost his edge and couldn't stop congratulating himself. With the Q movement, Jones was in danger of being replaced entirely. So he went on the offensive, questioning the identity and legitimacy of Q, and frequently bashing the anonymous account. Guests would promote Q drops, and Jones would seethe and rant about the unreliability of the 8chan informant, he was clearly threatened by the success of Q. He may have deduced it was set up by his own puppet master as well. The Q movement has gone through a transformation for the worse, as mass censorship and lockdowns have jolted the populist narrative off course. The shutdown of the rabbit hole, 8chan, disrupted things. So now nobody can keep track of what is real. That should be game over, right? Not quite. Even without new Q drops from the original source, the prophecy of Pachinik and the Q movement seems to be ever more imminent as scandals and outrage mount over the Biden administration's political blunders, both at home and overseas. Believers in Q are impatiently waiting for The storm, the return of Trump, the restoration of the Republic, and justice for all. The ARG may be over, but the community it knit together is still trying to keep the flame burning. Naturally, new charlatans have been exploiting them at every turn. Gatekeepers and False Hope Regardless of the personalities involved, one of the main functions of the Q movement has been to gatekeep. That means shutting down alternatives and deciding who gets to become part of the community. They divide the greater truth movement and reject common sense libertarians, for instance. Anyone who calls for small government, individual rights, and constitutional fidelity is ridiculed by the Q movement as outdated. Steve Pachinik leads the way again by admitting that he doesn't even like the Constitution, and he thinks there should be a new law of the land. Quote, Let me be very frank. I have never been an aficionado of the Constitution. The reason for it, it's outdated. End quote. That was from an interview with Alex Jones in 2021. If anyone else had said this to Jones, do you think he would have allowed them to get away with it? And yet he did. No pushback from Jones when his master speaks such heresy. It's hard for Q believers to accept, but their movement has been designed to hijack populism and stop reasonable voices from prevailing. It's the same thing men like Pachinik do all over the world when they want to topple a country. It's called destabilization, and it means moderates get attacked while radicals are provoked and encouraged. Q is the approved rabbit hole, while Christians are slandered as ineffective, weak, and naive. The ARG demands that in order to win the game, the apathetic public must submerge itself in the daily drama of politics and media. They want the world to cling to false hope for the satanic institutions, rather than preaching the judgment of God against all nations. Fairweather Christians want to see evil defeated, so they invoke God constantly while avoiding what he actually said about the way things would go in the church age. Many are torn between the traditional wisdom of the Bible and the compelling hope of worldly revolution. God or Q, the rapture or the storm, the book of Revelation, or the latest Q drops. It's all the same thing to them, as long as it leads to a better future. This harkens back to an older divide between Protestants and Anabaptists, where Protestants tried to fight wars and reclaim institutional power on behalf of the kingdom of heaven while Anabaptists knew that the kingdom was about forsaking the institutions of this world and focusing on our local churches. Enigmatically, Satan hates the Anabaptists much more, since they are not as easily corrupted. False Christianity is no threat to his plans. Even when God-fearing men are full of ambition and carrying loaded rifles, what does a spirit of darkness care? You can't win a spiritual war with carnal weapons. No wonder the mainstream media doesn't mind shining a spotlight on the Q movement regularly, attacking it just enough to give it credibility and a boost of energy. In the Hegelian dialectic method, being attacked is a form of encouragement, while being ignored and dismissed is the real killing blow. Footnote. We can look at the Ron Paul presidential campaigns for proof of this. Despite soaring numbers in his presidential campaigns, the libertarian conservative candidate was actively shunned from news coverage and given almost no time on the debate stage. They feared him, so they ignored him. They would rather promote the drama of a dozen clowns than dare to give a platform to a sober and upright man, even if it is only to smear him. And footnote. Q supporters can easily be herded like cattle into false flag events. It's all part of the ARG simulation. I have often imagined this great day of justice. Would it wash away the cartoonish villains of our current establishment? For most of my adult life, it sounded impossible because the powers were too entrenched and the system was too corrupt. But now the system is being purposely demolished, and they may have become disposable, like Alex Jones. It's all a matter of timing. The coming paradigm shift will require sacrifices, and I suspect the old guard of the conspiracy will be discarded in order to usher in a greater sense of change. Lynn Wood and the Q movement may get what they want in this case. And the pacifists will be looked upon as traitors as the blood-soaked heroes parade the capital cities. In case it isn't clear yet, I think the future is only going to become more scripted, even as the chaos and upheaval grows. The Day of Justice will be coordinated with new disclosures and narratives that will lead to that Noah's flood of ideas I mentioned in the beginning. The more crazy things get, the more perfectly predictable it will be on the part of the conspiracy.